Welcome again to It Doesn't Take a Genius, conversation with introspective perspectives and pithy points of view. Here are your hosts, my friends, Max and Marty. I think that's Mark and Mike. Yeah, whatever. Ramsey! Marshall, it is lovely to see you today. Yes, uh, yeah, as you can tell by the background, I'm in the studio because we've got important information to share uh, with both our listeners. We do. We do. I, you know, for comedic effect, I think you really need to say uh, to our listeners, both of them, you know, like that way you get a beat. And anyway, it's fine. Yeah. Just just thinking about what I learned from Maury Amsterdam, some of those other folks. You know. Well, I was going to do the, the this just in. <laughs> But there's no one alive except me that knows what means. <laughs> it's the equivalent of the dial tone. That's, that sound no longer makes any sense. I, I had to go to Wikimedia Commons to figure out a Hertz that I could download for free, like a Hertz rating of a, of a signal for that episode we did live where we did multiple takes and I had to keep going beep and cut to right. a new take. I had to go find that myself. I was like, I don't know what that's called, but it's just it's just a noise, right? And it was on Wikimedia Commons, all the different Hertz's. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Here's the change of scene beep. Right. right. That's, yeah. what, that's what I Googled. Uh, change of scene beep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And somehow you found it. I did. I did. And, uh, Anywho. Yeah. Yeah, for those of you, uh, yeah, those of you, uh, you know, watching on YouTube, you, you have to admit that the post-production quality of the podcast is, it's, it's a thousand and twelve percent better. Easily. Which is, you know, starting at negative five, at yeah. the very least, you know. Oh, yeah, it was bad. Uh, but yeah, it's come a long way. Well, anywho, we do have some uh, really good data that you found uh, that uh, it, it, it's, frankly, it's going to be a setup it's a it's an absolute tee up of some material that you and I were hoping to present and bring uh, to uh, the audience. And um, I, I guess you do you want to just tell them about uh, what the study is? Yeah, yeah, we've got uh, hot off the presses here. Uh, we've got a research report that's just in in 2020. Nice. Uh, but it's new to us. So that's important. <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, the source is the Human Resources Research Institute, and I think you, uh, I think you discovered in your research of the institute that it's a Canadian thing. Yeah, Canadian consortium. Uh, they they uh, give out money for dissertations and uh, and theses and um, HR related and and try to provide it to the public. And here we are uh, soaking in some of this data. It's a really interesting study that basically confirms some things that you and I have seen in the field over the last, you know, 15 to 20 years. Oh, yeah. And just so our listeners, both of them know, we are, we are pro anything well that confirms our own bias. Right. So, yeah, if we've anecdotally seen something and then we find something that says that's true, we really like that. Just, just I'm just going to be, you know, truthful here, going to be transparent. You know, We've got an episode coming up about that called Fallacies, but, you know, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, uh, but this is some really good uh, statistical uh, data, um, and, and basically it's, it's asked of HR managers, correct? Uh, this, this, was, this was a survey of folks in the HR profession about their, uh, their workplaces. 
and yeah, and it's, so it's uh, it's basically the the, the entire uh, paper was on coaching and coaching and mentoring. And, and so this, this particular survey question that we're going to dive into, uh, the question specifically was, which challenges currently hinder coaching slash mentoring in your organization? Select all that apply. So, so basically pick multiple things. Yeah, you could pick more than one answer. But it, yeah. yeah, the basic question is what keeps you from coaching more effectively? Yeah, uh, it was the way I took the question. And so um, the, the, the number one response with uh, 73% of people surveyed choosing this response is not devoting enough time to coaching slash mentoring due to other priorities. Shocker. Yeah. Who knew that? Uh, yeah, we've we've heard this for the last 20 years. Right. And, and, and you know, Covey explained this, this, you know, coaching uh, activities fall into the important, not urgent. Exactly. It doesn't matter if you do the coaching in the morning or you do it in the afternoon or if you do it on Tuesday or Wednesday. And so because it's flexible, uh, it gets pushed out of the way by the important and urgent, the, the mad customer, the last minute requests, the, right. uh, the stuff that can't be moved, but has to be dealt with. Yeah. And, and this is pay now or pay later. I mean, it's easy to say hard to do, but this is a pay now, pay later situation. Um, I was with a client uh, actually this week and we were talking about, you know, um, you know, the, the, all the things that got in the way and a lot of the things that got in the way were headaches that might go away with some regular coaching uh, time invested in. Um, oh yeah, you know, well, and, so. and Covey talks about that in his model. He says, if you're, if you're in quadrant one, which is important and urgent, there's crises, firefighting, uh, you know, last minute things coming up. The goal is to spend more time doing the important, not urgent, which is the planning, the coaching, the preparation, which makes everything in the in the first quadrant, you know, appear less often. So I'll have less fires, less crises. Yeah. Uh, you know, and when you think about coaching, uh, you think about you, you know you know team member behavior that creates these crises, it creates the fires, and, sure. and 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 does this. Yeah. Could I could I mitigate that if I'd allocate my time? And we know that time is finite. So yeah, yeah every manager's choice is to figure out, okay, how do I carve out that time? How do I make it important and urgent enough to do coaching uh, that I eventually shift the model so that I'm spending less time in, in crisis mode? Yeah. One more thing about that. I, I know you're a big fan of the analogy of, uh, uh, you know, you know how, how incorrect it is for a manager to say, I'm a babysitter. Mm -hmm. um, the other one that we often hear is I'm a firefighter, right? Yep. And they are, they're excellent firefighters. They are, they have great problem solving skills in the moment. They can react and come up with a plan, adapt to what's going on. A lot of managers are really good at that. Um, but to continue the analogy, if you keep get being called to the same scene of a fire, you might want to slow down and the next day do some fire prevention courses at that location and, and try to prevent that uh, building from catching on fire every day. So uh, we have a lot of managers that I, I think um, it's, a, it's a matter of prioritization. Um, of course, you don't have enough time in the day. We've all got the same amount of time in the day. Can you prioritize so that you, you handle these non-urgent but very important tasks and in the process, get rid of some of these fires, these important and urgent tasks? 
Oh, definitely, definitely. So uh, I think we're gonna we'll skip over the next one, the yes. second most highest ranked one, but we're gonna come back to it because the lowest ranked one ties back into it, if that yes. makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah. So uh, number three, three on the list uh, with forty nine percent of uh, participants selecting this one, coaching or mentoring sessions are too infrequent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we've talked but about this extensively, the, the consistent nature of coaching and the importance of that. Yeah, I, I think this one is a, a bigger deal than managers often realize because they're so used to having this moment where it feels like they had a good talk and there was a breakthrough. Um, but, uh, but really, it was just the start of a ball rolling and you're going to have to keep the ball rolling. You know, I, I don't go out and exercise one time and and then get you know big muscles um i have to consistently keep at it i know what you're thinking mark you don't have big muscles exactly that's my point i don't go to the gym right i i mean i did at one point but i've slacked off on that and it's not a regular occurrence i'm not getting the benefit out of it uh, because i'm not making this an ongoing conversation Oh, yeah. And we've talked about if, if, you know, if your coaching sessions are infrequent, as the survey says, then we typically only tend to show up when something's really wrong. Yeah. And so now your coaching is viewed as just a, you know, a beat down. A, they caught me doing something. The only time I hear from you is when I'm messing up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So now we're, we're not building trust. We're not building relationship or we're, we're not building a person up. So uh, yeah, there's there's so much that that's negative that happens when we only coach infrequently. I 100% agree. And uh, just uh, an, another facet of that is keeping things in your conscious memory um, so that you do develop some some real habits. Um, it ties into the next item on the list, as a matter of fact, uh, because there's some habits that you're trying to coach up in a person. You also have some coaching habits to uh, keep going in yourself. So, oh, yeah. So, number four on the list is uh, low skill levels of those doing the coaching or mentoring. And right. so, yeah, you see, uh, yeah, we tend to gravitate towards the things that we feel that we can do competently yep. and competently and that we have a lot of confidence around. And if I feel like, well, I'm not really good at this. And, and I've even had managers tell me, I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, which speaks to, yeah, a lack of uh, skills in this particular discipline. Very fair. And, you know, to be uh, super transparent, I think that's sort of the point of this podcast is to help managers grow in some of those skills. Uh, we have talked about the book that you've published. Uh, and certainly we would encourage anybody who wants to grow in these skills to contact you or myself to get a ball rolling on some workshops and seminars and, uh, frankly, a regular coaching relationship that we could, uh, you know, help you with. So I, I don't want to make it too much of an infomercial, but um, that's, that's sort of number four there is, is something that uh, we are trying to deliver a direct resource to help on. Oh, definitely, definitely. Through video, print, in person. Yeah. There are many ways of you to avail yourselves of our coaching expertise. That's exactly right. The uh, number five, lack of concrete options for training, development, and career pathing. Uh, 
so yeah, maybe I tend to not coach because I don't see a path forward for the person I'm coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this one, I, I, it, I'm, I'm of two minds about this because on the one hand, you know, there are some scenarios where, you know, there, there's not a management role for that person to graduate into. And if that's what they want, then yeah, I guess we can't coach them into that role. And so that's frustrating. And there are some limiting factors there. Um, But, you know, that's, that's my one mind. The other mind that's a little broader is thinking, man, there's so many different ways to grow. And if I haven't sat down with you, I don't even know how you want to grow. I was, uh, I was talking recently um, with a group and they had um, there were, there were three different, uh, employees who, um, had, uh, three radically different motivations in the same role. Uh, they worked literally right side by side each other. And all three of them were looking for something radically different out of the role. One of them, uh, wanted, uh, to, uh, have good competition that he won against one of them. Uh, wanted to um, uh, basically be set up for uh, a career outside of the industry he was currently in. That was like, that was where he was headed. And another person was looking to climb up in the company. Oh, and I I forgot there's a fourth person. And we finally realized that what they really wanted was just to be a part of something bigger than themselves and feel like they were contributing. That's really at at its core that they, that gave them some self, you know, self-worth. So Hey, I can coach to all four of those people and get a lot more out of them for my current uh, role that I have them in. And yeah, maybe I lose one of those guys. Maybe one goes on to bigger and better things within the organization. Um, But all four of them have become uh, way more valuable in the meantime. And, uh, and I've had less headaches, right? I mean, I, you know, Mm -hmm. by, by doing the coaching, it's, it's helped me. So I just don't think that, um, you should let this stop you. I don't, I don't know if you've got an opinion about that, but that's my thinking. Yeah, to me, it's a it's uh, it's a straw man. If if the lack of concrete options for training and development, then you just haven't been on the Google machine. There's <laughs> there is literally no topic on this earth. If you want to get better at something, uh, that the Google machine will not help you. Whether yeah. it's, it's YouTube or it's a you know some of the online universities uh, you know there's just absolutely no reason whatsoever that you can't get better at something even if your organization isn't offering up a structured uh you know opportunity to for for that learning and this really goes in with the next one here right because uh hey you could be a high performer and still be growing right Mm -hmm. so yeah, number six, uh, more time uh, devoted to coaching poor performers than the high performers. Yeah, and, and and we see this a lot. And you know, the 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 squeaky wheel, in this case, the squeaky square wheel, uh, right. keeps, keeps getting all the manager's attention. And we let the top performers just, uh, you know, as some of my guys will say, I I just let them run, uh, and so. Uh, you know, then I've heard the I've heard the rationalization. Well, there's really nothing I can do to help them. They're so good at what they do. Yeah. You know, and missing the entire point that it's probably the 80-20 rule. There's right. 20% of your people are top performers. They're probably producing 80% of your results. And so, go ahead. 
Uh, just, I, you know, at the very least, that coaching <laughs> is an opportunity for you to say, uh, wow, well done. You know, what do you see that you're doing well? And uh, you're just making the organization more sticky for that person to say, hey, I'm valued here. I'm appreciated here. I'm recognized here. Um, and hey, maybe there is room for me to grow. Maybe I can get even better than I am now. Um, why would you not do that? Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of times the uh, when we do have a, a great conversation with our top performers, it's them putting in their two-week notice. <laughs> right. And the manager always says the same thing. I, 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 thought I had no idea. I thought everything was great. I had no idea. Right. And so, uh, yeah, we neglect these people who are performing at an above average level. And lo and behold, exactly like you said, they feel undervalued, underappreciated. And they have, this is going to come as a shock, your top performers have options. Yeah. <laughs> they have plenty right. of options. People are calling them on the phone going, hey, hey come over here. We'll, we'll love you. I know they're not showing you the love, but we're all about the love. And so uh, they're being wooed. Uh, yeah. And yeah, definitely a missed opportunity here. And, and I will tell you, coaching is a way to really put your money where your mouth is about how much you appreciate them. Mm -hmm. um, because, hey, uh, you could certainly and you probably should have some sort of recognition system to make sure that the high performers get regularly appreciated and valued and recognized uh, in whatever way is appropriate. Um, but this is taking that a step further, right? This is saying you're so good. I'd really like to sit down and invest with you on what's working and what we need to do to help you continue to have that kind of success. If there's anything on our shoulders that can help you continue that. Now you're saying, hey, uh, yeah, I hope you appreciated that thank you card and that, you know, gift certificate or bonus we supplied you. But I'd actually like to sit down and spend some time with you to make sure that we keep the gravy train rolling for you and for us. Um, it, it, it's a huge gesture that I think uh, speaks a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, the the one on one coaching opportunity. I'm going to give you something that's finite that I can never get back, which is my time. Yeah. And in doing so, I let you know that we appreciate, we value, and we can even learn from what it is that you're doing. Heck yes. Very cool. Heck yes. The, uh, um, oh, here's an interesting one. This one I'd never thought of before. Those who excel at coaching or mentoring are not rewarded and recognized. I have seen this. Hmm. Tell me more. I, I, this has happened at a few organizations I've worked with that um, a management team for a department would be so good at developing those people that those people would get sucked out to be a part of the organization at a higher level. Mm -hmm. And that management team at that department had to start over with a new batch and develop them. And then they got sucked out for uh, you know, important, bigger roles, uh, you know, higher, higher roles in the organization. And so, you know, you do that a few times and that original management team kind of goes, man, we're kind of getting penalized for developing people around here, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the organization that I'm in particular thinking about turned that thinking around and said, you know, we, we you know, th this is the secret sauce here. We need to make sure we, you know, encourage you guys and how you do that and spread the wealth around. Um, so we're, you know, we're working on that as a matter of fact, right now. Um, but yeah, the, you know, it's, it can almost be a penalization. I spend all this time developing people and they grow, but what happens to me? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, as you say that, yeah, I've got an organization and that was happening to them quite frequently. And, and thankfully, the, the, the mothership came back to this satellite organization and said, listen, we, we see what we've done. We see that you have a gift for, for coaching and developing people. And we will now pay you, uh, you know, your department will, will receive income if we take one of your folks that you've coached and developed. So we'll reimburse you. Oh, how you clever. For, you know, we see value in your coaching and training and, and what you're doing to these folks. And we will reimburse you for that expense. That's clever. Yeah, that, that's Never thought cool. of that. Well, and as you're talking, it, it occurred to me that I have seen this. So you see a group of managers we tend to foster all the praise on the manager who you know, has the uh, superior sales ability. Uh, and so, but the manager who keeps all the salespeople on the team and keeps them in the right frame of mind and keeps them performing at a high level, yeah, we don't, we don't heap near as much praise or, or recognition on that person. Mm. Uh, yeah, they just go around and talk to everybody. You know, well, what's your turnover like? Well, we don't have any turnover. Well, what's the individual production like? It's very high. But that guy over there, he's always slaving away, you know, producing, a, you know, additional sales or whatever. Uh, well, he couldn't do that unless he had a team right. <laughs> to work with, which right. this person who's great at coaching is responsible for keeping, not only keeping them here, but keeping them in the right frame of mind and keeping yeah. them performing at a high level. 100%. 100%. Love yeah. Um, and then number eight, coaching. Uh, mentoring recipients are defensive and unwilling to accept feedback. Well, I think this is just dumb. <laughs> we should fire those people. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We'll just, I'll just get rid of them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> call HR. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. If I've got recipients who are defensive and unwilling to accept feedback, now I have to think about what role do I play in this defensiveness uh-huh. and this unwillingness to accept feedback? Yeah. One of our favorite questions. What part of this do I own? Yep. What part of this do I own? Which takes us back. Oh, here it oh. Goes. all the way back to number two, which we skipped yes. earlier with 59% of uh, participants saying managers avoid difficult and truthful conversations. So I think those two are related. People get defensive and don't like feedback, and I don't have the skills to have that difficult conversation. Hmm. Yeah. So here's the setup. I think, Mike. Uh, I, um, I th- this is this is where we got teed up for uh, a series that we're going to be uh, launching now, right now. Um, we are uh, big fans of the book Crucial Conversations, and. Uh, we're, we're going to be getting into a lot of the, the uh, facets of this book. It's a very dense book with a lot of great ideas. Um, and frankly, you and I are still processing exactly how to pull out some of those facets uh, for, you know, short little podcast episodes. But I, I'm going to, I think I'm going to say this, and I don't think I'm going to regret saying this. This is something that I have seen be an issue for every single client I've ever worked for. Um, the, the ability to stay in dialogue on difficult and truthful things, negative feedback, conflict between two people, whatever it is, um, is literally uh, something that every 
everybody is struggling with to some extent. Um, and uh, I could not be more excited uh, to uh, bring a series to our podcast than I am about this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think this is uh, this one, you know, like the survey says, it's the second leading cause of, of lack of, of interaction and coaching discussions. And when it when it says it doesn't really define it. So it says it avoids the difficult uh, conversations and crucial conversations. Uh, the book, uh, it defines those in three different ways. Mm -hmm. High stakes. Uh, right. This is a make or break kind of conversation where strong opinions are involved. So, you know, it's not something that people take lightly. It's something they hold, uh, you know, core to, you know, it's part of their core values. Right. And where there is the possibility that strong emotions uh, will come out. And so if you're thinking about, you know, I'm not having this talk because the, the stakes are high, uh, the opinions are strong and the emotions are, are could get out of control. Uh, then this is this book hits this head on and uh, I think that you know our viewers both of them should uh, have the opportunity here to thank us because this book is hard yeah. <laughs> it, it, it makes your brain hurt uh, you know there's a little clear brain fluid running out my ear but it's but I like your word dense so there's a lot of good stuff in here we're going to yeah. unpack it and then figure out, okay, how do we take some of this good stuff and make it make it usable uh, so that we can apply it in an everyday uh, and hopefully not everyday situation. But when the situation requires a, a crucial or difficult conversation, you're equipped to do it well. Yeah, so you made a point before we uh, rolled tape about uh, the fact that um, this is a tool that a manager needs in their toolbox. It's not coaching per se. Uh, having a having a difficult, truthful conversation is not coaching uh, in its purest form because coaching is not about looking at the past, um, you know, dealing with with uh, some you know hairy thing from the uh, from the past. It's about getting unstuck and going forward, right? So, um, in a lot of cases, what we're talking about here is we need to have a difficult conversation so that somebody can come back to the table and be coachable. Right. They're not even coachable right now because there's such a, a, a wall up between us on, you know, issue X, Y or Z. And so this is the tool to get that wall dealt with so you can get back into the, the coaching, uh, the traditional coaching framework and help somebody really get to the next level. Um, the, 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 the way the book talks about it is dialogue, that the, the only real um, resolutions happen when two people are able to be in dialogue about a topic and, and the, they, they call it the pool of shared meaning. We'll get into this later, but the idea that I'm going to contribute to this dialogue, you're going to contribute to this dialogue, and between us, we're now going to grow uh, what we both know to be true about a particular situation, what we both uh, are feeling about it. I know what you know and what you feel, and you know what I know and what I feel, and together we arrive at, at some truths that allow us to get some resolution. And how often do we as human beings in our marriages, in our relationships with our kids, in uh, neighbors, friends, churches, uh, and workplaces, how often do we find ourselves retreating from that tough conversation 
you know, it's going to take mental energy. It's going to take emotional energy. I've got to come in prepped and armed and ready. I got to keep my cool. I mean, there's, there's so many different things that you might have to think about for one of these crucial conversations. And um, the idea in the book is that, you know, we don't want you to uh, fall victim to silence, you know, where you're masking your words, avoiding the situation, withdrawing, not really having the hard talk. And at the flip side, violence. So not silence, but violence, where I'm cutting you off and I'm belittling and I'm, uh, you know, just uh, throwing accusations instead of talking about the facts and the truth of the matter. Um, so, so we can help you deal with all of that as we go through the series. And we think it's going to be really powerful to help you get back to the coaching that everybody wants to do. All the managers want to grow their people. And this is, um, this is what you maybe have to deal with to get there. I think you're I think you're spot on the and so let's let's wrap up with this we'll wrap up with this and we'll begin our our next podcast with it and uh, one of the quotes is uh, the health of an organization can be measured by the average amount of time between when an issue is identified and when it is discussed look out and so yeah yeah there's a big gap between when, when things are happening and when things are talked about not healthy can we, yeah. can we close that gap? And Crucial Conversations gives us the, the tool uh, to have those conversations. And to make them less scary. The faster you have them, the, the less of a big deal they are. You know? So there's just so much goodness that you're going to get out of this. We're, um, we're excited to bring you this series. Yes, very much so. And speaking of Mr. Excitement, mm. let's turn to our announcer, not afraid to have a crucial conversation. Oh, no, he'll tell you. <laughs> so go ahead and tweet that or share it any other way you want. As always, there are no rights reserved, no trademarks, no copyrights. Share it if you want to. And join us next time on It Doesn't Take a Genius.